What's up, you guys? It's Graham here. So since I talk so much about real estate investing and what I look for and how to add as much equity to the deal as possible, I thought it would be a good idea to go back to the basics and talk about actually how to save up enough money for a down payment and what lenders look for when you actually go and buy a property. Because let's be real here. If you want to buy real estate, you got to come up with enough money to actually buy real estate. So let's go back to the basics here, talk about exactly how to save up enough money for a down payment and what lenders look for when they determine whether or not they're going to lend you money. These are the basics and it all starts here. So before I get into the aspect of saving money for a down payment in real estate, it's going to require a few things ahead of time from you. And the first one is to have a good credit score. Now, ideally, you want a 740 or higher to get the best rate possible. Once you go above a 760, this is when lenders start to offer you lender credits in the sense that they can rebate you on certain items or give you slightly better terms from their end of the deal. If you go lower than about 720, 700, they end up charging you out the in interest. You don't want to do that because that means the real estate just becomes more expensive, the deal becomes more expensive, and that eats into your profit margins. So the second thing that most lenders are going to want to see is two years of tax returns. Now, some lenders won't need two years of tax returns. It also depends on your job and if you're a W-2 or a 1099 or how you make your money. But a lot of lenders will generally want two years of tax returns. The whole point of this is they want to make sure your income is consistent and going up over time. They want to make sure you didn't have one amazing year last year and then this year you earn no money and then you actually started losing money because crypto is down. What am I going to do? So they want to make sure that that is not going on. And this is also why it's a good idea where if you know you're going to be buying real estate in the next two years, not to deduct a whole bunch of money off your tax return. What lenders look at is your net income after all of your deductions. I made this mistake in the very beginning with my income because I deducted everything. And then lenders look at me and they'd be like, wait a second, you deducted all these things, so we're going to loan you based off the lower amount. And I'm like, but no, I bought those things purposely just to deduct them. I don't need to buy anything. So just keep in mind that if you know you're going to be buying real estate over the next two years, it might be a good idea to show as much income as possible because that way a lender will give you a larger loan based off of that income. So the next thing lenders are going to want to see are bank statements. And sometimes they'll want to see the last two months of bank statements. Sometimes it goes as far back as six months. It's really to check what money is coming in and where money is coming out. If they see a whole bunch of very large cash deposits that might be kind of suspect and they might think, wait a second, maybe this guy's trying to buy a house is actually growing weed in the garage of the house he's renting from Graham Stephan. Maybe that's a concern. Or if they see money coming out of your account in cash like every single day, they think, wait a second, this guy might have an addiction like Fousey Tube. And maybe we should be a bit concerned about his spending habits. So the whole point of looking at bank statements is to track exactly where your money is coming and going and being able to source those. And by source those, it means you're able to trace where that money came from and where that money went. Banks also like to do this to make sure that nobody is like feeding you money just to pump up your income to make it seem like you're earning more than you actually are. Seen this a lot of times where parents might, you know, pretend to employ their kid or whatever at like, here's $10,000 a month just to kind of pad their account. Banks really want to make sure that money is coming from a legitimate source that's recurring and that's stable and not just someone like, you know, handing money off. And then you close the deal and then all of a sudden the money just goes back to the original person. This is also to make sure that even though you might be earning $10,000 a month, let's say, 
that you're not spending $15,000 a month consistently and just running at a deficit every single month. And then finally, a bank is going to want to see what's called cash reserves. And typically, a bank will want to see anywhere from two months to sometimes six months worth of mortgage, interest, taxes, insurance, all of these great things in a cash reserve. The whole point of this is just to make sure that you don't buy this deal and then the next month you're tapped out, you got no more money and then all of a sudden you can't make the next payment. And a cool little life hack here about needing cash reserves is that they'll often take into account retirement accounts. Now they don't take into account the full thing, they might take into account 75% of it. But the good thing about that is that you're going to be probably saving for retirement anyway. You're already going to have some accounts anyway. So a lot of lenders will actually use this. You can kind of get over that initial cash reserve phase or whatever you would like to call it by holding money in a retirement account. This is the best of both worlds from my perspective. Again, not financial advice. Okay, so with that out of the way, let's talk about actually how to save up enough money. Now, when it comes to buying real estate, you'll need to put some money down. This is what's called your down payment. Banks like to see that you invest your own money and risk your own money in the deal. And whatever money you put down forms your initial equity in the property. Now, from what I usually see in a market like Los Angeles is that generally people are putting about 20% down. Some people are putting a little bit less. I'm seeing maybe on the lower end about 15% and the higher end maybe about 30%. But about 20% is what I'm seeing. This gives the bank some cushion in the event that they need to foreclose that you take the first 15 to 20% of the loss on that deal. So if you don't end up putting 20% down on the deal, you'll generally pay what's called PMI, which stands for private mortgage insurance. This is just an extra cost tacked onto the loan to ensure the bank that you're not going to foreclose on the deal since you have less money tied up in the property. Now, I'll be honest with you guys, like PMI is not the end of the world. It usually ranges anywhere from half a percent to 1% of the total loan amount annually. Or sometimes you can pay it upfront ahead of time and that money does not go towards your equity. It's just an additional fee tacked onto your loan. So you'll need to evaluate for yourself whether or not it's worth it to pay the PMI or whether or not you should just wait and come up with the 20% down. If you're confident the market is going to soar and just going to continue to go up, it might be better to jump in now, get the PMI just to get the deal versus paying 10% a year later. But again, it's a bit of a risk you have to take and PMI can add up to a lot of money over time. So what I recommend if you do end up putting less than 20% down and you do end up paying PMI, my best recommendation is to refinance your loan once you have 20% equity in the property just to get rid of that PMI and then go on as usual without the PMI. Now for everyone else out there, including you meets Kevin, because I know you're going to be watching this right now and I know you're going to be saying, you don't need 20% down in the deal or I'm going to get some random person being like, but my uncle bought a place for 5% down, but my sister's cousin's best friend bought a place, FHA, 3.5% down. What about those people, Graham? Dislike, unsub, unfollow, block, report as spam. There's always one of you guys out there. One of you guys, always one. And my thing is this. If you can get qualified, if you can actually get an offer accepted and close a deal with 3.5% down or 5% down, more power to you. It totally depends on the area, the price range, how competitive that market is, and what income bracket you are. I mean, there's a lot of variables to this. But of course, if you can get a good rate long-term with low money down, 
by all means. You can even look into VA loans where sometimes you can put zero money down in a deal. So these are all things you should look into. I typically don't see it, but regardless of whether or not you're saving 5% down or 20% down, the strategies of saving from my perspective are pretty much the same. So we'll now get into the how to save for a down payment aspect of real estate because I've rambled for long enough. And when it comes to this, usually you're gonna have to make this a priority over everything else, which means that you're gonna have to prioritize saving for a house and maybe scaling back in other areas just to make that happen. And when you're saving for a house, it's really no different than saving for absolutely anything else except it's saving for a house, obviously. Now, what's the most important when it comes to doing this is just your income in relation to your expenses. This is exactly why banks will want to see two years of tax returns. They're gonna wanna see bank statements. They're gonna wanna pull your credit. They're gonna wanna know everything about you to know how much you're making in relation to how much you are spending. This is why it's not enough just to come up with a 20% down payment and then assume that anything else you can qualify for just because you have the 20% down. Banks wanna make sure that you didn't come out with like some amazing $200,000 payday for investing in Ethereum when it was like 50 bucks. And then all of a sudden you have no more income to support that. They wanna make sure you have consistent income and relatively low expenses. And anytime it comes to saving, the best thing that you should do and the first thing you should do is track your expenses. This is probably the most important thing when it comes to saving for anything is tracking every single penny that goes in and out. Because the best and easiest ways to save money are the things you don't even realize. It's these little tiny expenses that add up over time that can equal a huge amount of money that you could be saving to put towards whatever else you wanna do especially real estate. Just trust me on this one. Things fall through the cracks when you don't track everything. I guarantee it, I promise, you will find a whole bunch of money that you could be saving when you start doing this. So the other strategy I like to do that helps save a lot of money is to automate my savings. And what I mean by this is that the money is automatically saved every single month so it doesn't even hit your bank account. Out of sight, out of mind is the best way to save money. And what I do is I have a few bank accounts. I use my Ally Bank savings account for every single deposit I make. It all goes into that account. And then I put a set amount into my Bank of America checking account every single month. So I know that that Bank of America checking account is money that I have that I can spend. Everything else I don't touch. And I recommend everyone else do something similar. I found this really helps me out a lot. I don't even look at the other account and then randomly you might check it out and just be like, damn. You know, and, and that's that's what I end up doing. That ends up helping a lot. And when it comes to a bank actually giving you a loan, they generally will look at your income and expenses and they will not want the mortgage payments and the property payments to exceed 44% of your net income. So what you're doing by showing the bank that you're saving more money, that you're lowering your expenses, you're lowering your debt to income ratio, and therefore that 44% is going to be a lot higher because you're showing less money spent. And again, when it comes to saving for something, it's really all about cutting back on things you really don't need as much as possible. Now, this is how I was able to do it. Now, even though my income was high, it doesn't really matter that, I mean, it does kind of matter that much, but the whole point being is I lived really like I made a few grand a month and everything else was just stashed away and invested religiously. This is all just about cutting back, living below your means, saving as much as possible just for the purpose of getting what you want, which is hopefully, if you're watching this, buying a house. Now for those of you watching who say, I have no money left over to save. I can't do it. I literally can't save anything. 
I have two recommendations for you. The first recommendation is to look at your expenses through either Mint or Personal Capital. Track where everything is going. In most situations, you should be able to find a few things that you don't really need that you can start cutting back on and start saving. But the reality of the situation is that you need to increase your income. If you're not earning enough, unfortunately, there's no way to sugarcoat it. There's no way around it. You're going to need to earn more money. The reality is you're going to have to sacrifice a lot to make this happen if you're not earning enough money in the first place. This really has to be a focus and a dedication to increase your income as much as you can, decrease your expenses as much as you can, just for the focus of making this happen. It might be worth it to take a part-time job or do a side hustle or maybe start something online or maybe start looking at other jobs that might pay more or maybe try to expand your skills to start to earn more money. You will need to do something to end up making more money. And once you do start making more money, it's really important to keep your expenses the exact same as they are now and just to save the difference between what you're spending right now and what you're earning in the future when you start making some more money. This is something you could start now that will pay off in the future with patience and with dedication. I really believe that this is one thing that if you want it bad enough, you will somehow find a way to make it work. Now, one more thing I do when it comes to saving is to keep it in a high interest savings account. Now, what I use is Ally Bank. They offer 1.45% interest on all of your money. Again, all of these things, they sound like ads, but these are just things that I use myself that I like. So there you go, Ally Bank. Now, a lot of people ask too, why don't you just go and invest the money instead? If the stock market has historically returned 8% a year, why don't you just invest it and earn 8%? And the reality is that it doesn't do 8% every single year. Some years might be 20%, other years might be negative 20%. And in a short time horizon, less than five years, I have no idea what the market is going to be doing. Long term, if I were investing, let's say for 10 plus years, I'd put it in the market. If I'm doing something for maybe just one to five years, I don't want to risk the money in the market. It might be worth more, it might be worth less. I do not want to risk this money being worth less when I don't know what the market is gonna be doing in the short term. And ultimately, when it comes to saving up for a house or a down payment or really anything for that matter, it's really just all about how much money you make and how much money you spend and how much of that you can actually save. That's what banks look at when determining what sort of loan they're gonna give you and how comfortable they are in giving you that loan. And like I mentioned before, patience, discipline, and consistency goes a long way. Is it worth it? 100%, it's worth it but it is going to take some sacrifice. And the reality is that a lot of people are not going to be okay with the sacrifice. So just make sure to track your expenses, cut back on everything you don't need, work to increase your income, do it consistently, delay gratification. It won't be easy, but is it worth it? And my answer is yes. So as always, you guys, thank you so much for watching. I really hope you enjoyed this. If you watched it all the way through, you haven't subscribed, make sure to smash that subscribe button. Make sure to smash the notification bell. Smash the like button, because that does really help out a lot. And also feel free to comment down below. Let me know your thoughts. I read each and every single comment that anyone has ever posted on my channel. Also feel free to add me on Snapchat and Instagram. Posts are pretty much daily, so if you want to be a part of it there, more so Instagram now, but uh, feel free to add me there. And then I also have a program for anyone interested in working as a real estate agent or making more money as a real estate agent. I go over everything A to Z, how to make money as a real estate agent. And also I just decided if you end up purchasing my Real Estate Agent Academy course, the link is in the description, I will throw in a free 30-minute coaching call as well with that. And I'll throw in $50 off. 
Everything is in the description. I have so much fun doing coaching calls, especially for other real estate agents. So if you end up buying the program, you get a free coaching call as well. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure how long I'll run that for. Maybe the next 48 hours or so, 72 hours. 72 hours, that's what it is. I rambled long enough. So anyway, thank you again for watching and until next time.